it goes, and I hear the theme. Mm -hmm. Hello, everyone, <laughs> and welcome to the commentary for Genesis Avalon episode three. Oh, that was very dramatic. Well done. Well done. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is the uh, the director Avalon. and the writer and one of the actors. At least I think I play somebody in this. Um, Catherine Pride, and with me today is the editor of the first seven episodes of Genesis Avalon, the awesome Marley Norton. Hello. <laughs> This is the first time I've ever had Marley on a commentary. Episode I feel privileged. Three. I really do. The limelight. Down the cockles of my heart right here. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, this is episode three, The Limelight, which is basically Jada's first real episode about the press. And it really doesn't have much to do with her, other than that they're all trying to find her the entire episode. <laughs> but clearly you people already know that, because you should have already listened to the episode before getting to the commentary. That's right. Otherwise, you're just silly. <laughs> So, yes, episode three. I can't believe we've actually hit episode three premiering. Yeah, we started working on this. I don't even remember. Well, you started working on this even longer ago, but. <laughs> yeah, it was like three years ago. But. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you we, you were editing scripts, what, like almost, almost eight, nine I think it months was ago like, still, I think, or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, it was, I think, close to a year. Um and yes, full disclosure, um, I did not actually edit this script. Um, <laughs> Kat just wanted a friend for the commentary. I started editing with the next episode. Um, Kat was working ahead, so um, this was, um, I think one and two were already in the can, and three were three had been out to cast for a while, and it seemed kind of rude to be like, oh, now change everything and re-record your lines. And, yeah, so we just, we just let it go. <laughs> Well, I know to all fairness, you, you were the one who read over the script for episode... You did read over episode two, because I remember you pointing out that there was, like, a ton of narration, and you were like, why is there this much narration in a story? Could you, like, avoid the narration, please? And I was like, uh, yes. Yes, I could, and I think I will. So, like, even though you didn't actually edit edit the episode, like, there was a people... There was, like, 15 minutes of extra narration in that episode, and I pulled it all out, and it's so much better without the narration. And there was, I think, a little more narration in this one, too, but I managed to keep it down to the Jaina's letter writing to her mom at the beginning and the end of the episode. Yeah, I remember one of the things, um, looking over the scripts, there was, um, you know, it's always hard to know what to do with, you know, sort of the, the um, running commentary in your mind, you know, the, the inner thoughts of your characters and stuff like that. And, you know, there's yeah. the various techniques. There's the, you know, I'm just going to talk aloud to myself all the time. There's the, you know, I'm going to think to myself and we're going to do a special effect, you know, to sort of indicate that this is, these are thoughts instead of words. There's the, you know, writing, letter writing, um, diary writing kinds of, you know, kinds of techniques. And I remember you were using them all. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, there was a note about, well, maybe you should, like, cut down on the number of the techniques just so they yeah. don't get too confused. <laughs> yeah, I think it wound up, the, the, the final result there, and for most of these episodes, it follows the same kind of formula, is that Jaina just talks out loud uh, if she is talking to herself. And most of the time, it's because she's actually alone, and, like, she's not just, like, talking out loud in front of people. Um, and, and Z likes to mention the fact that she talks to the cat all the time, but I mean, we all know that Nora's actually talking back, mm -hmm. but, um, there are a few scenes where, like, Jaina will be walking through a park and actually talking out loud, and then she gets interrupted, um, but then the most of the time that you'll ever hear any sort of, like, major insight that isn't, that is just done with Jaina talking, it's because she's writing a letter to her mom, mm -hmm. which I didn't, I know, like, the first three episodes, she's writing a letter to her mom, like, every damn time, mm -hmm. 
and then it spaces out for the next few episodes. Like, you don't hear anything till like, I think, episode seven, and then, like, down the road again, you, he, you she does more letter writing. It kind of tapers out so that it's only used for situations that are that are necessary to get her insight. That and her life gets a hell of a lot crazy come <laughs> season two, but you guys will find out about that for another, like, eight months. Haha, yeah. ha, I mean... <laughs> I actually thought, I wasn't sure um, reading the scripts the first time whether it was um, meant to be different letters or if it was the same letter and it was sort of like a, a frame story device um, where, you know, time had passed and she's like sort of more of a memoir kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where it it does get explained, but it gets explained like at the very end of the series, but I allude to it the entire time. <laughs> but when she's, I think it's at the end of this one. No, no, it's not the end of this one. It's I, it's the end of episode five, so we'll get to that after Thanksgiving. But you'll hear an actual change in Jaina's voice. Mm-hmm. She'll be writing the letter in her younger voice, and then she'll say something, and it's clearly the voice from two years later. So it is a situation where this is a running commentary. It's a framework. Um, you're basically seeing her relive all of these memories, but you're also getting the insight of, of her reflecting on them and talki- talking to her mother and, you know, expressing regrets and concerns and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think the way I always had it in my head was that she started writing the letters when she first got the medallion, and then she just kept writing them. She never sent them. She just kept writing them. Aww. So, but um, that's because her mom's a druggie and doesn't like her. She has ish with her mom, major ish, and... Her dad's out of the picture, so that's why she has people like Z around. <laughs> well, and Z's like, so I don't know how much we should be talking about Z because she doesn't actually even appear in this episode. But I remember getting um, the first script where like they go dancing or something like that, and um, yeah, they're at like a concert. Yeah, yeah, and like Jaina is like just trying to have a good time, and Z's like the major downer and just like mocks everything she says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was having trouble with that as a, as the voice actor because I was, um, you know, it's like, well, okay, if I really go all the way sarcastic, awful with this, then um, then everyone's going to immediately hate Z. And, and surely that this is supposed to be a character with, you know, people are supposed to enjoy, that there's comedic value here. Yeah. But I got over that, and now I just snark everything. <laughs> yeah. So I just have to note something, and this is kind of funny. Um we're at this the scene that we're in because we've like talked through a good half the episode right now. Oh wow! Um, that's all right. It, it's it, it's a very fast episode because it's all Julian and in the office, and so it's a lot of this whole idea of, you know, the day in the life of a reporter when the superhero shows up. What the hell do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and this this episode like when I wrote it was so bare. Like there were no sound effects. There's no ambience. Like I think like the sound effects for like two scenes were. The noises of the newspaper office. <laughs> and, the, like, there's no sense of ambience to give you what Julian's doing. So the beginning of the scene right here, he bo- he, he, he shuts down his computer, so I actually use the window shutting down noise. Unlike other shows which use Macs, I use Windows, people. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> not going to get into a Mac versus PC argument on Avalon. Um, I'm recording this, pen- he- this commentary on a Mac, just so we're clear. I know. <laughs> And I'm on a PC. How convenient. <laughs> um, but, like, there's stuff that I added in here, like, at the beginning of the episode, Julian is in an elevator, 
reading a magazine. Oh, I remember the, the elevator Muzak. I remember I, I listened exactly, to the yeah. episode and I was like, wow, that was an interesting choice of background music. Oh, he's in the elevator. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And then you hear go ding and he walks out. Yeah. And then um, in the beginning of this scene, he's sitting there and he turns off his computer and he's sitting there messing with his stapler. And when I did that the first time and Chris got to listen to it because, you know, Chris is my roommate, so she listens to everything ahead of time. She actually fell off the couch. She was laughing so hard. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny at the time, but I think it's just because the idea of this, this reporter being so bored and trying to think. So he just grabs a stapler and starts stapling into nothing. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah. And then this is, the, this is, like, the first time we've heard – well, no, we heard Tanya in episode two, but this is the first time we've heard her in an actual season, scene with Julian. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God. So, Tanya, casting a voice actress for Tanya was a bitch. I'm not going to lie. Because, originally, the actress who played Tanya was also the actress who played Z. So, when she disappeared, I had two actors that needed to play the same role. And I already knew that I wanted, I already knew that I wanted, basically, you to play her. But I had the audition um, and wanted to see if you were going to audition for it. And then you did. And then, um... I had no idea who I was going to cast as Tanya, and then a friend of, a girl that I knew from college, like, one of her, it was one of those things where I was like, a friend from my, of mine from college knew a friend who wanted to voice act, and had her audition, and, and she just has, like, the sweetest little voice ever. <laughs> so. Yay, fighty scenes! I love fighty scenes! <laughs> Even though they are, like, the most headache-ridden things to mix ever. Also, I like the fact that Noir's kind of like, oh, hey, BT Dubs, I'm ratting out the reporter right there. <laughs> I thought I told you to leave me alone. But I didn't realize this when I was when I was reading through the scripts that, um, yeah, I like how, um, you know, there's a, there's a different voice that Laura uses between Jaina and Avalon. And um, similarly, um, whether Noir's in cat form or or panther, I forget what he is when he's yeah, big, panther, panther form. He's a big panther, yep. You know what to do. Yeah. And I it's know, funny because uh, Chris Hackney, the guy who plays Noir, when I first did the show, and he, like, read these lines the very first time as a panther, I think this was, like, three years ago anyway, but um, we had a big debate with him. I had a big debate with him about whether or not I wanted him to use that really low growly voice. And I think originally I told him, don't use it, do something different. And then I tried to mix an episode with the different voice, the new voice he gave me, and I realized I didn't like it. And I go back to being growly. You meddling, moronic, oblivious man. And yeah, and and Jaina's, I mean, Laura's Avalon voice actually gets even more epically, like deep and and and, and I don't want, I don't want to say epic again, but epic. Um, uh, towards the end of the first season, as as she goes, and part of it is just Laura's been playing the character for so long that. It's, you know, it's one of those things where when she first recorded I mean, these lines, she was the feeling like out the character, trying to <laughs> trying to get into the voice. And by the time you get to the end of season one, she's been doing it for a long time and loves this role and just, like, just has figured out how to switch between Avalon to Jaina. It's rock awesome. <laughs> but, um... Oh, Julian, you're so damn smarmy. Why are you so smarmy? Why did I write you that way? Oh, because you're a reporter. <laughs> Yeah, I did notice, you know, a lot of the show pulls from, you know, I, I think you said in your intro, um, anime elements, um, except this part just totally feels like the, the classic Superman Lois Lane kind of vibe. 
Um, <laughs> where it's like, yes, I will, I will unmask you. I will figure out who you really are. You know, here I am, the obnoxious reporter, yeah. getting in your face all the time. Yep, and getting into danger too. Mm-hmm. Needing As to get rescued in episode four. Yeah, he gets he needs he needs rescued quite often. Poor Julian. Um, and yeah, it was one of those things where I liked the whole idea of transformations and using magical powers to actually, um, to actually fight with, and the idea of having a familiar, and it's stuff that you see more of in Japanese anime, even though, strangely enough, it does have roots here in the U.S., we just don't see it as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Captain Marvel goes Shazam and turns into Captain Marvel, but people don't think about that as much. Every time people like I, when I when I first was describing this show, a lot of people were like, "Oh, so it's Sailor Moon." I'm like, "It's not Sailor Moon at all." <laughs> the moment you hear the show, you will know it is not Sailor Moon. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then Julian is like my classic homage to the Lois Lane type character. Mm-hmm. Um, with it down to the whole, I'm stupid and want to get into trouble, and 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 as you'll find out later on in the series, he talks to Jaina more. And he never puts the pieces together. Oh. <laughs> but then again, his best, her best friends don't put the pieces together either. So it's, she's actually got a fairly good disguise. It's not just a pair of glasses; it's an actual domino mask. I gotta give her that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's also just sort of part of the genre. Like you're just, yes, I put on glasses, and suddenly no one can recognize me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, okay, we'll just yeah. we'll just let it slide. It's just how it goes. Um. Yeah, I, there's a character who shows up later on in the show, and I'm not going to say who it is for spoilery reasons, because I'm keeping this person, like, viciously under wraps until they show up, as it's, like, my favorite character that I've written in this show. Um, but they don't wear a mask. Like, they, trans- they transform into their character and don't wear a mask, and nobody calls them on it. Except I think a bad guy. I think a bad guy calls them on it once. So, yeah, it's one of those things. Oh, Bobby, I love this kid. Again, I have to say, it kind of it kind of amazes me how many actors I've had from the beginning, and then all the people that I got to replace those actors are amazing. <laughs> like, because it's like it's like the second time, or like I've had like three casting calls for half these characters, and you know the ones who have st- stuck with it, you know, like Trent who plays Julian and Chris who plays Noir, Bobby who plays or Keaton who plays Bobby and Laura. Um, are all, you know, the same actors that I've had since day one. And then I've had a lot of people who have come and gone. But it, I find it shocking how you guys just kind of nail it. And that goes for you, that goes for Tracy Hall, that goes for Trisha, and that goes for friggin' Kristen and Chris playing the bad baddies. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, on behalf of all of us, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm done, I'm done singing your praises now, guys. Okay. <laughs> And that this scene that we just listened to, where he walks into the to the restaurant and he's listening to the person playing piano. Again, it was one of those things where there was no explanation as to where he was. I don't. There was no effects, nothing. I didn't put a setting at all, and it's because this was in my early phases of writing. You see, I know that you'll see after when you were reading episodes four and five, like you. I think five is when I started finally doing pendant script format. Yeah. And you were like, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, because then there were settings and things like that. Yes, yes. It was a little exciting, <laughs> Your, the format you were using before. Yeah, I'm not really sure what format that was. Yeah. I think the main problem was, you know, I could mostly follow it, but then there were things like you tended to um, embed the sound effects and the character notes in with the character lines. 
Um, and yeah, sometimes just, it wasn't entirely clear what was meant to be spoken like, and what was just description. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually bitter at that now. Like, if it's a, it's one of those situations where, like, I'm the kind of person that if you guys are going to do fight oh. scenes for me, then I need yeah, you to right, actually, sorry. like, make yeah, the noise of a grunt sorry. as you punch mm-hmm. someone. Because I'm very focused on those kinds of sound effects. Because to me, it, the so- a fight scene isn't complete if I can't hear noises, like Walla, and then connecting punches. So... I used to have this problem where I'd be like, and Jaina gives him a kick, and then says this dialogue, and gives him another kick, and it's still the same line. I didn't actually put, like, SFX cues for the kick. So I'm better about fixing that now. Like, it'll say, Jaina delivers a kick, then another kick, but then I'll put SFX, Jaina delivers a kick, then another kick, you know? Well, and there's two aspects to sound effects like that. You know, like you were saying, there's the thing that you need from the actor, and the and the direction cue that you need to, like, yeah. have an impact sound there, too. And that's very... There's a lot of that with Avalon. Oh, my gosh. We hit the end of the episode. Oh, wow. Ah, oh, these episodes are not short, either. I do this every commentary. I'm like, how did we get to the end? This is, I can't... Okay, so this piece of music that I use is a Kevin MacLeod piece, and it's called Human Beat, and all it is is, is beatboxing. And I'm really kind of shocked this worked. But I think this is the only episode it would have ever worked in because it's the only quirky episode. Everything <laughs> else gets dark from here on out. Yeah, I do remember you had a lot of very whimsical music in this episode. Yeah. Back when I had copywritten music on the script, and then you were like, Kat, you need to take that off. And I was like, oh, that's right. Let me get rid of that. I almost hate to bring it up, but um, I suspect the, the Windows computer noises are copywritten, too. Um... I don't know. I got them off of a sound effects CD. Oh, really? Okay. So I think I think it might be like someone made like a uh, clone of it. Yeah, sound alike. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right then. No, I actually got it off a sound effects CD. So surprisingly, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it was one of those things where I got one of those little free like packs of like fi- you know it was one of those you know five hundred sound effects for nineteen ninety nine and I was like oh what's on the back of this thing and I read through it and I was like ah oh, someone's cool stuff all right I'm gonna get it cool Laura Post back when I had more money to spend. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, we're at the end of the episode. That went really, really fast. It really did. I can't remember what we said. I hope it was useful. <laughs> um, yeah, seeing as how we didn't really talk about the episode. Whoops. I gotta work on that. Me and my focus. That's an issue. I'm an, M- I'm an ADD bunny, though. We all know this about me. Okay, well, we'll, we'll get it for next time. We'll actually yes, talk about the episode. <laughs> we promise, folks. We promise. But that's also because, come the next episode, Marley actually had major things to change, so we have that to talk about, too. Oh, is that the one where we had to talk about the, the profanity conversation? Oh, well, four was the profanity conversation. Five was when you we added, like, three scenes oh, I remember that. it was really short, so. All right, and thank you for listening, guys. We're going to get off this freaking computer, because clearly we will never shut up if we keep talking. Um, and uh, tune in next month, same Avalon Time Save Avalon Channel um, for for Genesis Avalon Episode 4 and it will be crazy as there is a major fight that I am friggin' proud of so anyway I guess we should get off of here say bye Marley bye